Uduwasha city, where the sun is a mirror and the moon a shadow. 800 years ago, the gates of death were broken by the Emperor Immortal. The five key bearers, however, had already unlocked them and walked right through. It is in Uduwasha city they dwell. Now, the ghost field breathes next to our reality, lit by the eternal flame of the well of Udu. It is a second skin, a place where thought and will struggle against gravity and light. In other places, the dead congregate in the ghost field, but in Uduwasha, the well city, the hell city, they fall straight into the flames. See its glittering districts, Chitichpur, where the rich plot to buy the horizon, Bundavest, where the refugees of two different nations flock, and Pasarhantu, the vertical maze of market and murder. And here is Udepat, where the ceaseless temple resides. Its inhabitants, a family, a snake, and a god. The temple has stood since before the gods of this world were forgotten. Watch as it turns the wheels of revolution. Welcome to Desperate Retune, an actual play podcast about people who take risks so they can survive against the odds. Well, hi. Uh, welcome back to Desperate Retune and our current campaign of Blades in the Dark called A Candle Ablaze, set in the city of Uduwasha. I'm Tree, or Saumitri, I'm your GM, and I will be running this game for you today. My name is Emma, I am playing Joan, a retired ghost fighter, and I use she, her pronouns. Hi, I'm Chloe. In real life, my name is Zohab, and I'm a he, him, and I'm playing Miras Chakraborty, the crew's leech, who is an engineer turned cult leader. I'm Prince, he, him, I play Vickers, a roof baller and Miras's wife. I'm Soap, I play Abbas, the religious scholar, and uh, pain in Miras's side. And um, yeah, my pronouns are he and him. Oh, I actually forgot my pronouns, which are all of them. Um, I really don't care. Last time, we opened with Vickers and Miras still in the tea house when Lizzie entered for a meeting. She curiously didn't find Goopy and Baga, to whom she was supposed to speak, but her sister and brother-in-law were there. They invited her to her table. She could hardly refuse. During this conversation, Vickers worked out that Lizzie was carrying a contract between the Ashcroft family and Begun Bashundara, the contract which the disciples were trying to steal. She just needed an opportunity an opportunity to take the contract. She suggested that Lizzie take some of Miraz's trance powder for her nerves, the joys of a Victorian era setting, and served up a slightly higher dose than would be advisable. Lizzie took it, becoming woozy and suggestible. That's when Joan strode in with pretend clumsiness and threw an entire platter of steaming tea into Lizzie's lap. Chairs scraped back as everyone rose and fuzzed over her, the perfect distraction for Vickers to filch the contract. In the alley outside, we saw the reason that Goopy couldn't be found in the tea house. Abbas held him firmly locked in conversation, but they'd moved from keep him busy small talk to discussing labor politics. They bonded over the unfairness of the world, the unfairness of the empire, and talked about regrets, the violence they'd done when they were younger. 
Goopy agreed to write for Abbas's pamphlet, to write about his pain. Back in the tea house, the rest of the disciples had accompanied Lizzie to the private booth where she could recover from her tea-related woes. As Joan went to guard the door and Vickers tended to her sister on the fainting couch, Miraz read the contract. He discovered that the agreement was for Bashundra to design the interior of the airship that the Ashcrofts were building. But not only that, she was on the hook to decorate three more airships. Vickers' family is truly planning a massive project. Of course, an unwritten stipulation was that Bashundra would also spend some time making life difficult for the disciples. And that could not be allowed. Miraz prepared to sneak in some of his own alterations, stipulations. And that's where we pick up today. Then I think, okay, what I was going to do probably doesn't make sense. Then I think, yes, then I do need a fair bit of time to draw up a whole new contract, especially to, actually, you know what? It really will take a long time to draw up a whole new thing because it's very yeah. technical, this document. It's got like some fairly like advanced specifications and so on. So I'm just going to very painstakingly just change the measurements <laughs> of things very slightly. So yeah, two millimeter, a, a set of like two millimeter radius um, screws becomes 2.2, 2, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Stuff that will add up over time. Change from metric to imperial units as well. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is your goal with this? Yeah. I don't quite understand. Uh-huh. Aren't we supposed to like um, make a lot of like random busy work for Bekumbush there? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. If if she receives this document and she notices like a billion things wrong with it, I think what will fu- what she will first think is what the fuck. The second thing she will think is why did they change all of my specifications? And the third thing is, can I go up to Lord Ashcroft and tell him he's wrong? No. So now I'm going to be really worried about how I manage this. So I think like yeah, it will work in that way, in that she will be very caught up with both the logistics and the social implications. Because it's a, it'll still be a hilarious amount of mm-hmm. So long as we keep her out of our hair, I guess we have succeeded in our goals. Mm-hmm. In fact, actually, what I'm trying mm-hmm. to do is even more subtler than that. Uh-huh. I want to change this document such that Begum Boshundara reading it will not realize anything has changed. Because who really remembers every single oh, one of their yeah. measurements, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like a whole bunch of like different things so that once she actually starts like getting involved in the project and like starts doing the work yeah it should add up until things should work out but they don't and then she has to waste a lot of time to figure out exactly what went wrong Uh uh-huh i have a i have a suggestion for a way we could make some coin also which is kind of dumb but i'm Uh gonna throw it out Mm -hmm. which is that in these specifications for like what is ordered you could include something that only our temple (laughs) provides like you know oh yes as a an homage to the Chakraborty temple. I want these specific <laughs> snake decorations. And she here, would here. be surprised by that. My very simple idea... Snake skin embroidery. <laughs> yeah, uh, My very simple way of... My very simple idea for making some money on the score was just to uh, steal the wallet that is inside this jacket as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think it's kind of funny if if we include like some yes. something that she's contractually obliged to provide that she can only get from our temple because yeah, then she can't absolutely. really shut us down. Mm-hmm. I have a great idea. Like maybe I 
change like some of the insignia such that mm-hmm. it'll look so not the insignia but like you know some design and so on of like wiring all of that on the side such that it looks exactly like a snake but you don't realize until you've made it yeah i think this is a study sorry i will point out here that like she was commanded by a god to be on your committee and so to some extent that's never really going to be something she doesn't do so you can have some effect on how much focus she puts on it but she is literally never going to miss a meeting right never going to misread a document that kind of thing because uh, an ancient and divine being like impressed upon her what she must do right mhm yeah absolutely it's just that if we put in the contract that like she has to do what we do and what that god what we want yes. her to do and what that god wants her to do and yeah, she has to pay us for it yeah no i i was speaking more to like creating the work to distract her and creating that busy work i think even mm-hmm. with an incredible amount of money unfortunately or fortunately your god is incredibly powerful and no one who has seen its majesty in person will ever fail to follow it she was brought before the eternal one and granted an audience with it which is not something that like you get very easily and then you know given a divine edict mm-hmm. he's not about to fuck around with that yeah she has been commanded by a god to like be invested in a temple and that's not something we can undo but this temp- this contract can make it so that she has yeah. to pay us for the privilege of getting our help and also can't like do things that we yeah. strongly yeah. disapprove of and it basically. can also do uh, make it such that you are far more aware of what she's up to so the plan is for miras to subtly alter the contract so that these things become a necessity but as you said very subtly through just changing yeah. Yeah. minor yeah. details here and there mm-hmm. okay so you said it was a right. you wanted to roll study yes but i think john has to set me up first because this yes. will take a fair bit of time mm-hmm. and it's going to be fairly obvious that someone's like throwing sand on a document and all of that uh, yeah you know i i i'm yeah. just imagining how will i tell so john yeah. needs to guarantee some privacy i've been imagining this room as like being somewhat private but in fact now that you say this i suppose it is true that like it's like a screen right like which is occluded you can you know people are inside you just can't yeah. see exactly what they're doing so yeah that makes sense actually mm-hmm. okay so 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 basically the issue is yes. that we're going to be here for a while and they may may at some point be like oh well you can come yeah back have and, your table uh, yeah they may even be like actually we have a booking now so yeah I can deal with Elizabeth, but I can't deal with like the restaurant staff. So that's on you. And uh, yeah, I I think it, I know exactly how how Joan is going to be because as we've established, she has this sort of intrusive thought that she's been sitting on that this this tea that we spilled or that she spilled would bear incredibly well with the flavor that she's. Uh, just recently experienced and under normal circumstances most of us would be able to push that intrusive thought away and to focus on the incredibly important score yep. that is happening and act basically in a rational manner but this may not be true if you are perhaps we could call it suffering from the 
excessive exposure yeah. to a god. Well, yeah, as you say, it may not be suffering, but it is certainly being affected by the consequences of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not suffering. I am, I am incredibly comfortable in my uh, inability to control yeah. my impulses in this moment. Or Joan, rather, is. Uh, so what she's going to do is she's going to go up to the nearest person that is in this, that like mm-hmm. passes the hallway by the screen. Uh, because I assume there is some sort of like, maybe a back corridor where staff is passing. Yeah. And she is going to make quite the scene as she demands that the tea that they spilled, which yes. wasn't even intended for us really, oh. be brought to us right now, or rather a new batch. And she will talk about talk Great. at length. Okay. Um, so you can definitely do this. Uh, I think the risk here is that this will take enough time that like the five goons clock will take up. And like you, this is exactly the time you're trying to buy. Mm-hmm. So it's a double-edged sword here. Yeah, I think that it's fairly straightforward. But like, you know, you came in with the Ashcrofts. And they're not going to be like, we're not going to give this to you. So yeah, if this is what you want, then you can get it. And then we'll see how much progress the Hive makes towards you in the same time that you buy for um, us. So I think you should tick the clock anyway, just for that amount of time. And then... The consequence can be that you do one more tick. Because I think time is passing anyway, right? Yeah. I think um, that sounds reasonable. But let's say that like... So the consequence would be that you had finished the clock. So we'll do the roll. We'll see whether I take it once or twice. That makes sense. Uh, what are you rolling? I think this will be a sway roll. If it is a sway, it seems like what you are doing is less saying you must bring it and more like, oh, it would be so nice if you... And wouldn't it be wouldn't it be such a shame if I happened to let slip to Lady Ashcroft that you didn't you know that kind of more passive aggressive thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are yeah. being yeah. we are being slightly subtle here. So risky standard. Yeah, I think I'm going to do something uh-huh. weird. Uh, I'm I'm going to lean into the to the like strange, not able to control self plus plus divine influence here and use hypnotic to not only tell this person that they should be delivering tea to mm-hmm. us and hopefully relatively quickly uh, for the push effect, but also that they should later uh, come bring some more ah, by yes. uh, at the temple, please. Absolutely something you can do. And you are pushing yourself for a die? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm pushing myself with hypnotic, but yeah, yes. Because I was just wondering if you wanted to affect what I might give you. But if you're pushing for a die, I don't have to worry about that. Because, of course, not only Lady Ashcroft would really appreciate this yeah. gesture right now, but there is someone else in the Sanctum Sectorum that should uh, be able to experience this flame. Oh my god, yes, there is one other. Oh. We already know it plays chess. Why, do, why not drink some tea? Excellent. Very good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's go. Yeah. A five and a five. It's a five. Yeah, what Hiron calls a Canadian crit. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, so I think that what happens here is the tea that you spilt is actually like a very small like artisanal batch, that kind of thing. I mean, you can't really have artisanal tea because it is grown in such vast industrial quantities. But they don't have... Well, this one isn't. Yeah. It's grown in someone's balcony. Yeah, indeed. Um, someone's foundation balcony, probably. And as a result, it will take them 
like some time to locate and bring it to you, uh, which they tell you, right? But I think it is exactly that time. I think we, as you do this, you see Baga back at the Hive headquarters. We don't know where this is, by the way. We don't know. It is probably, it is near enough to the Imperial Quarter that Baga can get to it. But I think it's interesting if we don't yet know exactly where the Hive headquarters is. And he's gone straight to HQ because that's where V Piehard is. He tells her, oh, Lady Elizabeth never showed. Um, we only bailed because uh, her sister Vickers managed to like, get us out of there. But I don't know what's going on. And V Piehard, unlike Baga, is quite a sharp woman. And is not going to go, oh, what a nice gesture. Instead, it's going to go, something stinks about this. Um, and she's coming here with some goons who are capable of looking like they fit in in the Imperial Quarter. So I'm going to complete this clock unless you resist this, in which case they will nearly make it here. Well, I'm definitely not resisting it because uh, Joan is now completely caught up in her instability because she traumas, traumas out. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. The tea was so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. Okay, I will deal with the hive goons, but I think we should see how Miraz fares with the contract first. Yes. So Miraz, you are like set up here. So, we, so I think in fact, right now you're in a controlled position, which is to say you have more than enough time that you know, like you can take, you can take a breath, sit down, and really like go to work on this because you know that like Joan is watching your back, and you can do this. Like this sounds like standard effects. So you're now at controlled standard. All right. It's three days. Is there a Devil's Bargain? Yeah, sure there is. You can, if you like, uh, insert a clause that also says, and you will pay for the uh, health upkeep of anyone involved in this project, such as one Zajidan Chakraborty. Hmm. Wait, this is a Devil's Bargain. This is a, ba- this is a bad thing. Yeah, because when people read it, they will instantly know that you tampered with the contract. Or something fishy is, wrong, is, is in the contract, because... This is completely unrelated to everything else. No, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, normally, yeah, I, I would love to, but I think Miraz would not want to get his father's name involved. Yeah, and I think, mm-hmm. like, the interesting thing... I will assist you, I think. Yeah. I was just going to say the interesting thing about this Devil's Bargain is, in fact, this is something you could do when you choose not to do it, right? So that's also something that's, like, quite interesting about Miraz, that, like, you don't want to put your dad in the middle. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I will assist you, and the reason I will assist you is that having talked through this, we may have to do some alterations to paperwork. I think we will flash back to Vickers telling you like about a thing, a quirk of her father's writing that he does that shows up in the document. He has trouble with uh, the number seven or something. He like always writes writes it with this like, oh yes, it is lucky number. So ah. he writes it very carefully very compared to the other ones. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's not the only detail, but like some trivia about my father and like to make the contract more believable, you know, like he would definitely want to include sevens. So don't remove those. Don't change that number. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And there is like, I think another quirk might be is that every time he starts writing, so he start, writes from the left, left to the right, like English, right? Mm-hmm. Every time he starts writing, he starts off with a bigger, bolder letter. And then yeah. it just kind of trails off into smaller and smaller font as you go to the right side of the page. Wow. Yeah. So, so to be clear here, 
Um, this man neither uses a stenographer or a secretary, nor does he use a typewriter. He handwrites everything. I love this attention to detail. Oh, yes. I think he's old-fashioned enough to... Because this is an important contract, yeah. he would write it himself. He would probably have a secretary draft up something like less important. Sure. But he definitely doesn't use a typewriter. Yeah. Okay, no. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try to mimic my father-in-law's weird and bad handwriting, which he insists on using, <laughs> where the only thing correctly correctly written down is the number oh. seven. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Good. A four, a three, a one, and a uh, two. Like, that's actually, for four dice, a remarkably low roll. It's fine. It's a controlled yeah. roll. Uh, and I think the uh, controlled consequence here is that as you do this, Elizabeth is slowly coming out of her trance. Like, you've taken enough time, you've managed to make it work, but I think Elizabeth is now, like, kind of coming back to herself, you know, like, she's feeling a bit better, her nerves are fully calmed, you know. Um, And she did very carefully take what would normally be her dose, right? So, Uh uh-huh. Yes. Uh, So, I will resist this slash deal Uh with it. This ties into my my high plans. Mm-hmm. So what I am doing, while all of this is going on, I have been talking to Elizabeth yes. and fussing yes. over her. And I've been like, oh dear, Lizzie, you really ought to be more careful. You know you're involved with dangerous people. Are you entirely sure that was some sort of accident? You know about the hive and how they send goons and thugs after people they don't trust. Maybe it was some sort of undercover agent. In fact, maybe they're after you. <laughs> as the drug wears uh-huh. on that she enters the paranoid stage <laughs> oh, of no. the... Of the trance, I will try to convince her that the hive is obviously sending some sort of thugs to attack her, and then some sort of hive thugs will show up. How could yes, very good. Yeah, you can absolutely resist this. I will point out this is not a problem for you per se, but I will point out that like if someone like Elizabeth Ashcroft felt threatened by someone by by organization like the hive, this may cause more conflict for both of these people. Anyway, please go on. Yes, but on the other hand, I don't want her hanging out with the hives. So if she gets in conflict with them, that's good. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, they're bad people. Yes. They're, they're very uncouth. Yeah. Okay, so we're treating this as a resistance. Yes, I think so. And that's mm-hmm. a three or one and a five, so you only take one. And I'm resisting with resolve using my iron will, which I think makes perfect yes. sense here because yeah. obviously I'm not to be convinced about any like I will not hear any objections. This is very dangerous. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Absolutely. And so, yeah, my goal is for her to be paranoid and worried about hive thugs coming up to attack her when the hive thugs show up to attack, well, us. Yes. I want to fight side by side with my sister. And Abbas, you notice, I think you know Veep by her at least by description, if not by face. Um, And you notice that she is uh, walking towards this cafe, which we have not yet named. And I I will call it the Grapefruit. And I'm sure it'll never come up again. But she's walking towards the grapefruit and she is kind of actually like dressed casually in that she's only wearing like uh, a shirt and maybe like leggings, uh, no visible weapons on her. And she's flanked by two people. And both of them are also kind of just, they just look, you know, like smart casual or something. They don't really look like they've got any weapons on them. And these are the kind of people who look like they could just be here for a good time. Uh, and if you didn't recognize her, you wouldn't think twice. 
And I think you have a moment to maybe either make sure Goopy doesn't see her because if he sees her, he's definitely going to be like, oh shit, that's my boss. Right. Or you could do something else. Hmm. And to be clear, there's a very good reason that she didn't she didn't bring Baga with her, which is that she doesn't have, have to want to have to deal with this whole dine and dash thing that he went into. Um, what could I do? I I think it would be very funny if you sent Goopy away for like he is already he's waiting for Elizabeth, yes. right? He's not waiting for his actual no, no, no. boss. It's just that if he right. spots so, his boss, he's gonna be like, Oh, what's she doing here? But yeah. Exactly. So I feel like a thing that uh, that Abbas could do spotting these people be like, hey, look, in that other direction, isn't that Lady Elizabeth? Shouldn't you go after her? <laughs> yes, you could do that. Uh, oh my god. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, we're just having a hard talk and I just look over his shoulder and go, oh, wait. Ah, Goopy, I think I uh, just I think I just saw her going that way. Maybe she just missed you at the at the where was it? A restaurant, a cafe? It was, like, it was a yeah. tea house. I think maybe she just missed her at the cafe and she's heading that yeah. way now. Uh, and I have a very... I have a devil's bargain for you, which is that the direction you're pointing okay. will lead him to Lord Ashcroft. <laughs> uh, just like pure coincidence. Just like how he happened to be um, in the exactly wrong place to see Miraz, like completely like wrecker guy. Yeah. Um, but of course you don't have to... Well, Lord Ashcroft, like... He's just, uh, I mean, his imperial power, but he's just walking around town. Yeah, he hangs out. For a man who hates Russia, he seems to spend a lot of time just walking around. I think that, like, he (laughs) takes his daily constitutional and he does it with great zeal and vigor, which means that Pasarhan 2, which is very vertical, is very useful for him. And then he does it in the imperial quarter because it's the only place that uh, meets his sensibilities. Hmm. I mean, Okay, so this is interesting because Abbas has never interacted with uh, his, I mean, extended family yeah, through uh, Vickers. So, um, yeah, why not? Let's let's go with it. Oh, I'll I'll take that devil's bargain. Incredible. All right. So, I mean, th- this is straight up sway, yeah. risky. I actually think this is this is um, no, I think yeah, risky. And... A three, a four, and a two. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I think what happens is that he says, oh, oh, great. Okay, thank you. Um, and then, like, immediately walks in that direction. And Abbas, I think you see him run into the, the Lord Ashcroft. I don't think he recognizes this man. Like, he looks similar to his daughters, maybe. But, like, it's not like they've ever met. But he's walking with someone. And the someone that he's walking with is uh, Begum Boshundara, because I think the reason that like he was walking around town is that they were, they were meant to be in a meeting uh, with his daughter, and then the meeting didn't happen. And then he was like, "Okay, would you like to like go on a stroll while we wait?" And then they happen to run into each other. So I think the risky consequence here is that like Goopy will meet the two people that he was supposed to be escorting his. Uh, employer too and um, as for the reason why why didn't all of this just happen at once it's because nobles are complicated and sometimes they want to have a change of clothes before anything happens um, hmm. and Boshundara is going to recognize him yeah and also me yes and indeed, indeed, so... indeed exactly mm. 
Now, of course, you can resist this, and I think you can resist it by basically yeah. either directing him in some other direction or doing something else. I don't know what. But now I'm considering. I was thinking, but I'm thinking also like for like, do I want to resist? Because this seems like it's kind of exactly what you want, right? Because um, he will be sufficiently yeah. distracted. He, he will just be distracted in a way that may not be good for you. Yeah. Um, let, let's say we, you know, uh, I, I won't, I, I don't resist. Okay. Like we, we just run. Through, yeah. Like, yeah. So I think in that case, uh, what is going to happen is that a uh, Lord Ashcroft is going to recognize you say, ah, my son-in-law's uncle, Abbas Shafi Aldin Chakraborty, isn't it? It is. What's, uh, Lord Ashcroft's first name again? Archibald. You can Archibald. blame Plow for that one. Uh, yeah, Abbas, uh, Abbas is not going to be, like, outright hostile. He goes, oh, yes, uh, it is, it is, uh, Archibald, I believe, you know. Mm, yes, and then Aboshundra will say, ah, Abbas, I see you are poking around where you don't belong, and, uh, we have met. This yeah? is my city. <laughs> yeah, uh, This is my city, Bigum. I belong everywhere. Abbas. You are an old man. You refuse to move with the times. Speak not to me of things that belong to your city. Your own god has admitted that your temple should be refurbished. It's a matter of debate. You would dare debate with your god? You don't know our ways. I think Abbas is going to be getting a little indignant. like, hmm, you don't know our ways. You pretend to know, but... I think it is so interesting because this woman is genuinely like under a divine edict, so she's going to be like, I do not need to know your ways. He lives in his will as my will. He has decreed that the temple must be changed, and I am to be one of the agents of that change. And I, th- I think I was going to change can come in many ways, and it remains to be seen which way we go. Yes, well, and I think like Archibald will uh, inter- interject here and he'll say, uh, well, um, all this talk of temples is uh, quite dull to me personally. We were hoping to meet your nephew's sister-in-law. And I think, like, for some reason, I've decided that Archibald uh, Ashcroft has a very, like, oblique way of speaking. So he will say, instead of saying my daughter, he will say, we were hoping to meet right. your nephew's sister-in-law, who... Said she would meet us for some very important contract, one that I signed just this morning. Unfortunately, that has not come to pass. So I am afraid that we must no longer detain you. And he'll give you like a little like polite smile as if to say kindly fuck off now. So, yeah, Baswell can just return that smile. And uh, so has the, have they not noticed that Goopy was with me? Or have they no, just no, no. Like... I think... I think Boshundara did notice, and then you successfully distracted her because she was about to make some cutting comment. And then I think when yeah. you said, "Oh, this is my city; I can go wherever I like," I was, she was like, "Well, go fuck yourself." And as a result, I genuinely think that, like, yeah, they're just gonna be like, "Oh, I recognize you, but I, you're with him. Fine, whatever, not my problem." Because she thinks she won a rhetorical victory over you. Um, I don't know. It looks like we kind of just. Uh... <laughs> You can genuinely just wander off here now, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I, that is how the fiction looks. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I think I can just go to Goopy and say, oh, I mean, looks like they've got that sorted out. Wanna 
You just want to grab some cha? Mm, yeah, yeah, no. Um, there's a place, there's a very good place in Pasadena too. They make incredible samosa. You want to come with me? Like, I think. Uh... Oh, yeah, I think I heard, I heard about it. I've been trying, I've been trying to, I've been meaning to go there. Yeah, and I think like <laughs> uh, you as you as you wander away chatting about this, it's not like uh, these two are gonna head for this cafe, right? They don't know that like right. this is where the meeting is. You just happen to run into them on the street. But it's very funny to me this idea that all of you are in the same like vicinity, but the one thing that you needed not to happen is not happening. But V enters the cafe. Doheb, how do you imagine her? Like, what is uh, what is her demeanor like? Mm. I'm imagining someone who is very, very fit, like incredibly spare, like like three percent body fat, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like really, really bony. Um, quite short, with like half of her head totally shaved, the other half like kind of like uh, yeah, with like the swept forward kind of bangs kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think like despite, not despite, but like in addition to that, like the way she holds herself is like she is always going to beat the shit out of someone, like just <laughs> kind of like striding forward, like, super stiff, like. Ha- like needs like a back massage for three months to iron out all the kinks kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she just strides forward and probably like confronts a waiter and asks like where, uh, where Lizzie is, something like that. Yes, very good. Yeah. And I think as soon as she asks where, I, I, and she won't say Lizzie necessarily. Oh, one more thing, like, one more thing, uh-huh. sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, go on. I think she has an impenetrable accent where she has to repeat herself many times and that is part of what pisses her off all the time. This is incredible because now at some point I do have to voice her. So, very good. Thank you for this gift. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's going to say, you know what, like ask for the Ashcrafts and be pointed towards the private room. Mm-hmm. And she will. Yeah, I think, like, unless something stops her, like the three of them, you know, walk through the restaurant into the corridor. The screen where presumably yeah. Joan is kind of standing. Not even pay her a second look and like walk in. Perfect. Is, where are we on the contract now? Has Miraz like finished it and put it back in the jacket, or is he like what's the mm-hmm. what's the situation there? I think I've finished it, put it back inside the jacket. I've stolen some of Lizzie's money. I haven't stolen mm-hmm. the entire wallet because she'd probably notice that's gone. Yeah, but like I stolen like enough of her money that there's still plenty left. But like she probably won't realize. And I have gone and paid her bill. And I'm trying okay. to... <laughs> I think I'm trying to, like, collect Joan, who probably seems to have, like... Uh-huh. You know, I was joking about the whole absolute ledge thing, but maybe she's she has had uh, more <laughs> than a few. Perfect. Okay. So, in that case, I think what I want to do is I want to convince Elizabeth that these people are coming for her. They're the hive. They're very bad news. And she should take her contract, get out, and go see Bashundara post-haste. And so, as they come down, I think Vickers will like hiss at Elizabeth, like, "Do you hear that? It's the hive. You'd best get out. Take the jacket. Take your contract. Get going now. Chop, chop. Hurry!" Uh, they're, they're coming. They're coming for me. Oh my god! Yeah, and I think actually the big door. The big door. Yeah, I think you're actually uh-huh. in a desperate position because there's two things that can go wrong, and the first is that uh-huh. the hive get to you before this happens, and the second is that the hive realize you're tampering with the contract. Um, which mm-hmm. are kind of linked but separate problems. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I am not, by the way, 
like I am not attempting to defend myself. I yeah. want Elizabeth to get away yes. so that she doesn't have to have this confrontation. Yeah. This is a funny situation because in this moment, Elizabeth feels like I'm helping her. Yes. But I'm absolutely screwing her over long term. Yeah, absolutely. This is really going to damage her relationship with the hive. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it, it's also yeah. going to make her relationship with her father very complicated because he's yes, then going to go back and say they tried to attack me and her dad is going to be like, what the fuck? So, yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Yeah. Uh huh. So I'm commanding her to get out, and the other part I'm doing of this is that as she is scrambling to leave, mm-hmm. I'm going to click down this fucking screen and confront the people of the hive. Like, <laughs> they're not coming after my sister. This is okay. like on the side. Mira's like, no, John. Uh, no, stop, stop chewing the tea leaf. Go. Uh, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. Let's, let's go. We we can't make a scene. Hmm. <laughs> and so screw it. I will activate my special ability. I'm commanding, and I'm commanding two people. I'm commanding Elizabeth to get away, and I'm commanding the Hive to not start something. So I will activate the Tiger's Fury and push violently against your enemies, knocking them back down or over. And the way I'm doing this is I'm kicking the privacy screen into them. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, so, desperate standard... Before you push, uh, because if you push for effect, that will absolutely become great effect. I'm pushing for a dark. I just want standard effect. My goal here is to have Elizabeth get away and kind of for the hive to realize that, like, you know, I they may be annoyed with me, but there's nothing for them here because Elizabeth isn't here. Yeah. You know? Uh, and to be honest, while Miraz is like, hmm, don't create a scene, guys. His wife kicking over a screen is absolutely going to create a scene. So uh-huh. it seems like the... St- like this is already your devil's bargaining yourself because the, uh-huh. the reputations of the Ashcrofts, which has already kind of set gossip mongers going in this tea house, is now going to take a further hit. Uh, I I don't think I will take this devil's bargain for the yeah. reason that I'm deliberately trying to screw up our reputation a little bit, and the reason right. for that is, of course, I'm going to like call out the hive and be like, "You brutes, leave Elizabeth Ashcroft alone." <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Very good. I want them to seem bad, so I'm not taking this devil's bargain. I want I wanted to seem like you know these brutes are coming after Elizabeth Ashcroft, so she will look weak. Yeah, because she's like yeah, scared she, of these thugs. Yeah, and she can't defend herself. She needs her big sister to come do it. Which she and she keeps complaining about her big sister. So uh-huh. why is she helping her? Yeah, but absolutely. I will not take the devil's bargain because yeah. I, we're not looking like criminals, right? Yeah, I want yeah, exactly. I want me to look like I'm defending my sister against these ruffians that came out of nowhere yeah absolutely so that's the impression i'm creating so i will not take the devil's bargain yeah okay so in that case yeah desperate standard what are you rolling uh command because i'm commanding her to get away and i'm commanding the hive to stand down but i am activating my ability to knock people over automatically as part of it nice yeah very cool use of the ability in in conjunction with the with the role yeah i my goal is not for there to be a fight, right? My goal is for the screen to fall into them, for me to be like, leave my sister alone. Yeah. And for them to do precisely that. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Oh my God. I fail. A three, a two, a one, and a three. By the way, the odds of not rolling above a four on four dice are like minuscule. It's like 6%. Yeah. Um, so it's very yeah. funny. I, I know what happens. So you say this mm-hmm. and Elizabeth believes you. Um, yeah. So she's making for the door so she can slip out. But I think what happens is that V, as the door opens, looks at Elizabeth and says, um, "Oh Lord, I, I'll be this person. Give me one moment where I, while I think about how I'm going to try and be this impenetrably mm-hmm. speaking woman." 
um, and not make it like a. You have an amazing American accent. No. Well, I can do like an Amer- American accent, but like it is really bad. No. Um, <laughs> okay, just because you suggested it be American now, <laughs> visualize this woman talking like Boomhauer, the thing all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do like a uh, Al Capone thing. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know, just like. <laughs> Looking for that <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, in fact, when she sees Elizabeth, her face softens, and then she makes like a series of noises, approximating, "Oh, you're all right," and then like uh, draws her in for like uh, a kiss. Because I think the way that Elizabeth got into the hive and like got them to trust her with something very important is that her and V like formed like quite a close and um, romantic bond very quickly. Okay, okay, this is perfect. So part of the consequence is that she's in deep with the hive. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think like yeah, I wasn't I, I, love this. I wasn't sure whether I would make this true, but like on this role, I was like, no, this is definitely what's gonna happen. So mm-hmm. she sees Perfect. she sees this. I was really struggling not to describe the haircut, uh, describe her V as a lesbian haircut. But it turns out on uh, be- it is a lesbian haircut uh, because it belongs to a lesbian. Yes, yes. And, uh-huh. she, and she, <laughs> I think she looks at you, and then like a look of pure fury appears in her eyes, uh, Vickers, because this is... This, this is so perfect. This is not just business. This is personal. This is, like, her new, exciting, rich girlfriends, terrible, no-good, evil elder sister come to ruin everything that, like... Yes. El- El- Lizzie touches like she always does. And then, like, she kind of, like, uh, again, in her impenetrable accent that I'm going to have to work on now, there's something like Yes, perfect. So this this is perfect because it hits Vickers one weakness, which is socially awkward situations. <laughs> like, yeah. We have seen that Vickers isn't afraid of anything, but she really doesn't like embarrassing people. Yeah. So yeah. she Vickers actually goes like, Oh, terribly sorry, I didn't realize. Oh, I must have misunderstood the I, I shall give you some privacy. I shall leave you alone. Yes, very good. Um sorry. And I think... Vickers is actually just going to completely stand down and leave. Yeah, but I but I think like the the awkward thing here the reason you can't fully leave yet is that elizabeth is mm-hmm. going no the hive are here to attack me they're here to no i i like doesn't realize necessarily that v is one of the hives so v's like oh you've poisoned her against me i mean not realizing that uh-huh. this is literally what's happened um so she's like she, she looks at one of her friends like kind of like very delicately like with a lot of care kind of like takes Elizabeth by the hand, murmurs something like quite uh, soothing. One of the reasons, by the way, that Elizabeth and V get on really well is that like Elizabeth does not need the V to translate or repeat what she's saying. She gets it first try. So like kind of gives over, gives her over to like her friend to be like, you take care of her. And then she turns around and looks at you. And then like, you don't need this translating. She says, you, me, now. 
Uh huh. No, for comical effect. I think Vikings is not going to understand this at all. <laughs> <laughs> so if I need to roll something to leave, yeah, I will. Okay. But like, as she turns away and is distracted for a moment, Vikings <laughs> would just go like, hey, "Terribly sorry. I'll let you get on with it." <laughs> yeah, no, I think just, yeah. as she's issuing her challenge, I'm just going to leave. Okay. okay. So, um, and I'm good at leaving. Yeah. So I will leave through a window if I have to. It's it's less awkward. Yeah, you may need to. Yeah, you may need to create uh, an exit. Uh-huh. Yes. May I do it for you? Yes, please do. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, you will need to roll because she's very motivated to make you stay so that she can tell you all the ways in which you have failed her sister. Sorry, your sister. Um, she's just, she's been yeah. dreaming about this moment for about 10 days. Miras, please get me out of here. <laughs> this is very awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with one arm dragging Joan, who I don't know, is chewing tea leaves or something. I, don't, I have no idea what she's up to. She is, she is ramping about, still waiting, waiting to get some tea from the living by the... Uh, yeah. You haven't received the tea yet. No. Excellent. Of course. Yeah. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, then I'm dragging you as you're, I don't know, ranting and raving. Uh, and I'm already looking stressed and harassed, and I see this scene. I don't really fully understand it, but clearly Vickers wants to leave. So I take Vickers with my other arm and I look at V and I look at Lizzie and I say, well, you're, you're one to talk, to, Lizzie, you're one to talk about disreputable and unsuitable partners. <laughs> well, this, this is what you're talking about. Someone, this is what you want to be, who, who you want to be with someone who sounds like they're talking, they're chewing an entire beard while they're speaking, whose mouth sounds like they're full of warm marbles. Ha! <laughs> And uh, and I'm going to leave with Vickers, and I'm going to leave with Joan, and then I'm going to take them both. And before I leave, I'm going to smash a bottle of binding oil on the floor. Huh? That anyone who tries to follow after us, their shoes are just going to get stuck to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think that like you are absolutely confirming, and let's be clear that V by heart is both a, an incredibly sensitive and loving partner and uh, absolutely a murderer and, you know, like a scoundrel of like every single stripe and form that you can imagine, right? Like she's not a nice person. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm adding her as my new rival. I feel like I have two yeah, rivals yeah. now. And I think... I feel like that's a suitable concept. The reason that I say this is that you are both confirming every story that Elizabeth has ever told her about how mm -hmm. you behave towards her right now so this has become very personal yes and yeah so roll i think it should be desperate yeah i was gonna say uh it's desperate you can do this standard effect and in fact given the binding oil it's great effect in that on anything less than a four they literally won't be able to come after you because they will step in the binding oil and they will be stuck right which will be very funny. Yeah, but I think the desperate consequences here, I mean, there are a few, right? There's the fact that, like, they both now hate your guts and one of them is very high up in the hive. There's the ensuing family drama with Archibald Ashcroft, you know. There's the fact that the hive now realizes something is going on. There's a lot of stuff. So let's roll and we'll see exactly which of those goes wrong. I have a devil's bargain for myself. Uh-huh. So there's some goons in the Imperial Quarter. And, you know, this is, we're respectable people. Um, okay, so one of us is being a bit too loud about their demands for tea. Well, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're on the right side of the law. These guys aren't. Mm -hmm. And they 
are probably going to get stuck on some binding oil. Yeah, I think I'm going to call, uh, tell the waiter and turn around and say, well, don't just stand there, call the, well, I don't know, the constabulary or the, or the, or, or, or the considered guards or the silver nails or, you know, get someone over here to clean these rough ends up. You want to call the cops on yourself? I'm going to call the cops on them. Yes. I'm a respectable citizen and I'm being Yes, indeed. Very good. Um, so let's, let's briefly talk about how we imagine uh, law enforcement in Uduwasha. In the Imperial Quarter, I imagine that they have received special dispensation that the Empire can employ its own kind of watch force because, in general, the way that, like law enforcement works in Uduwasha is that every like district and every community has its own kind of homegrown security. And I think what that means is that, you know, problems on the scale of the hive, they may not be able to tackle, but like smaller things are definitely kind of uh, dealt with in different ways, depending on not only on which district you're in, but also how that district has its I hesitate even to call it a police force, right? Because it's not exactly state-sponsored. Yeah. Though, of course, every, like, everybody's got to fill out a form because we are still you know, in a bureaucratic dystopia. But I think that's quite complicated. But I think in, in Uduwasha, in the Imperial Quarter, they are not called blue coats because the Uduwashan Imperial kind of constabulary wear um, immaculate white dresses. Um, and I have a uh-huh. here that can that can tie into this. I ha- there's like two institutions that I wrote up when I wrote up the Imperial Quarter. Yeah. There's two institutions that guard the Lord Governor and the area that could uh, be relevant here. Uh-huh. There's the Imperial Military itself. It has like a few people, uh-huh. and like like you know, I, I live near a cantonment, and so they have MPs doing traffic duty and stone. So they might be Imperial Military Military Police. They might also be Silver Nails who are a mercenary company uh, of Severusis that are mentioned in the Fenilla Blades. And I like the idea of them being here too. Mm. Okay, I think let's say that the Silver Nails have managed a lucrative contract to mm-hmm. do the police work in the Imperial Quarter, right? And mm. the Silver Nails are actually a mercenary company known best for A, riding horses, not very common in a world where like feeding large mammals is quite tough, uh, and B, fighting ghosts, because the horses eat ghosts. And Sounds good. I think that, yeah, I think that like we see that the, um, there are these two, I mean, there's, there's regular patrols. If you yell silver nail loud enough, probably one of them is in shouting distance. Uh, and they and they will probably yeah. If you want to summon them, they will come riding on horses. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I really like this idea that the law enforcement also come from a completely different ethnicity from everyone else. It's very much like, like mm. uh, the Gurkhas in various yeah uh, countries, right? Like yeah. elite military forces that don't really come from here, but that do the law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. This is this sort of thing is kind of like my special geek 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 interest, but yeah, we can talk about that later. Ah, mm-hmm. okay, silver nails it is. Uh, Devil's bargain. Do you draw them in? Yeah, one hundred percent. Maybe that'll be a good thing. Maybe that'll be bad. Uh, we'll see how yeah, goes. we'll see how it goes. Uh, it'll be it'll be at least partly a bad thing because it's the devil's bargain. Yes. 
a one, a four, and a six. Okay. And that's the silver nails save the day. I mean, I think that what happens is that um, so you, one of your abilities, which I have to constantly remember that you have, is the good stuff, which is to say everybody has heard of you, and some people know you really well. And I think what makes sense to me is that one of the silver nails who appears knows the ceaseless town. Maybe not. Maybe they are not a devotee. Maybe they don't. You know, come to your temple to pray, but certainly they respect you, and I think that is what is helping you here. So we see these two silver nails uh, kind of ride in. They are both, I think, well built, stocky. Uh, they ride horses. I think they ride mares, right? Like uh, much smaller horses than the kind of more like what we now imagine when we imagine like a knight riding a horse, right? That these people are not really wearing armor. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a bow, which they very rarely use, and they've got a spear, which they also very rarely use, because most of the work now is just they can punch someone and kind of mostly be done, right? And we see them pull up because one of them was probably like just around the corner and then like yelled for her partner. Um, and they kind of come down. Uh, walk into the cafe and they see that there is a scuffle happening. And I think because I don't think that like the binding oil failed. I think that like, in fact, V is stuck. And so are like Elizabeth and her friends. It's that she's still just yelling so loudly that it doesn't matter that you were trying to get away from her. But what does matter is that the silver nails turn up. They see that there's a commotion, and the, their first reaction is to separate the two of you or the two groups. And the silver nail that separates you recognizes you, right? And I think that uh, she kind of like looks at Vickers and says, "Are you a priest in the ceaseless temple? Your your jacket is a ceremonial robe, yes." Uh, oh dear me, yes. Uh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> do the cobra to the left, do the cobra to the right, all that. I forgot about that! <laughs> <laughs> cobra, cobra! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm so sorry. Vickers is not well versed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cobra, cobra. <laughs> yeah, okay. Mm. Um, and she, she kind of nods very solemnly, uh, and she says, um, yes, indeed. Uh, he'll, and, and I think she says the, the, the same kind of thing for her religion, uh, which is something like, um, mm-hmm. he'll be to the light and shadow. And then she says, mm-hmm. um, there seems to be some sort of motion here, and like, just... Everyone in the cafe now is looking at all of you. You, this is like people are going to be yeah. talking about this for weeks. Um, yeah, and Vickers says like, "Oh yes, it's dreadfully embarrassing. I'm afraid there's been a very big misunderstanding, and people are quite cross with me. And oh, I'm so sorry. I wish I could set it right again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think she genuinely is really sorry. I have a question mm-hmm. here. I have a question for Joan. Mm-hmm. So, Joan." Uh, so in the book, uh, Blades of the Dark, like the uh, the vanilla setting, the silver nails, like one of the things that they're known for, is having per- having just come back f- as like war heroes and so on from the Unity War against Scovlin. Mm-hmm. And you know the silver nails are like 
fairly distinctive. Not only are they Severusi, they've got the horses, they've got like that silver nail on yeah. the ring. Like it's very obvious when someone's a silver nail. They're like one of the most like recognizable parts of the Imperial military. Um, how does how does Kovlanders like feel about them and Severusis and like how do you feel being next to one right now? Is that a thing? Considering that they were deployed in Scotland to quell rebellions, which is, a, as, as I understand it, what the book actually means, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I feel like there would be great division, but only the most devoted imperialist or imperial favoring Scotlanders would actually have a good opinion of them. And probably one other group, that being Scotland-born railjacks, because Seferosi riders and railjacks essentially do the same job. And I imagine that sometimes they might work together. Yeah. That's really cool. Every silver nail has the kind of ability to com- compel a ghost, right? Like, that is, the, that is one mm-hmm. of the things you need to be able to do to join the organization and slash or... By joining the organization, you get the ability to do this, right? Um, yeah. They also have ghost fighters. Yeah, yeah. So I think that maybe what happens is that they even recognize something about you as being a railjack, right? Because they are not completely like without their own like powers or whatever. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Uh, I think, in fact, she uh, looks at Joan and says... Uh, Oh, a fellow spirit warrior. Did not expect to see one of one of our brethren in this part of the world. I wonder what is it exactly that makes her realize that Joan was a railjack. Is it like something in, like, is there something that she can see inside your spirit? Is it something you're wearing? I think you might hear in in the real world you might hear all these like theories and speculations but like you can see if somebody used to be a spy because they walk a certain way and they sit in a certain uh, corner mm-hmm. if they if they sit they always have their back to the wall i think <clears throat> something that you can see in joan is that she always has a hand uh, like an off hand essentially tucked into her into her what's the what's it called belt because normally, when you're on a train, that's where your uh, security wire is. So that's like keeping you uh, attached to the train. Yeah. And this is not something that anyone would notice, except if they have spent a lot of time around those trains. Because it could be an entirely normal thing for someone to stand like this. Yeah. But if, if, you're, if you're a spirit warrior, you would... You would notice that. Draw a different conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think she will not, and and this only endears you to her more, right? Like, first you were just like someone to respect in terms of like being part of a religion that she's heard of. Now you're also like uh, a sister in arms. Yeah, and I think we see for the first time this session, <laughs> session Joan actually acting in a mostly lucid manner, or in a rational, normal, personable mm-hmm. manner. As she smiles and extends a hand. Retired, but, well, retired from fighting ghosts at least, but I guess we both might be. Yeah, not, not much call for our line of work in Uduasha. 
We spend most of our time doing this kind of thing, breaking up silly fights. Well, it's meant to be some kind of reward, but if you don't mind me saying, it is deadly dull. You'd rather be back on the prince? I think it, Mira's inserts himself into the conversation and says, especially not in the Imperial Quarter with the, with the lightning barriers all around. Uh, if any ghosts sneak in, uh, well, they, it can, they can't sneak in, can they? And just kind of stands there, like smiling. Will Joan be the one to publicly contradict him, or will this rail, sorry, the silver nail do it? I, I think I don't think Joan would would. Uh, I think Joan would make a mental note yeah. of this and be like, "Oh yeah, this is this is Mira's acting like Mira's. Yeah. She wouldn't yeah. like do. She wouldn't pick this fight every time." I think I, however, really interview. Yeah. And I would say like, Mira's, this isn't the time." I'm, I'm very uncomfortable <laughs> with the situation. Fully <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Uh, and it, you mind if we uh, get back home? I think she kind of nods and she says, "I think on a six, especially with great effect. I think what she will say is, um, ah, yes, of course. This seems to be some uh, lovers' quarrel of some kind. I suppose. If if something comes up, I will. I suppose I will find you at the temple. And if not, we will." Perhaps our parts will meet. Uh, but for now, let me help my partner. Uh, and I think like what's happening is that like her partner cannot understand what V Pihard is saying. So it's becoming like it's becoming mm-hmm. steadily <laughs> frustrated because on one side you are having a very pleasant conversation, and on the other, this woman is gesticulating and like uh, saying something about who knows what, you know, and this like silver nails, just like, ma'am, I'm just doing my job. I'm just trying to hang out. Do you want to speak clearly? Um, and you know, like, honestly, mm-hmm. if V can't make herself understood and she's already really pissed off, it's going to take her like 30 seconds before she punches the silver nail in the face. Yeah, which is, I think, I think at that point we should have yeah. left. Yeah. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, which I think you do. And um like I will I will say here here that like V is angry, but she also understands that if you punch an Imperial policeman in the Imperial quarter, no amount of I'm part of the hive is really gonna mm-hmm. save you. So like, you know, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But the impulse is definitely there and you should leave before the chance that it erupts. Uh mm-hmm. Takes, takes hold. Yeah. And Victor's is definitely running away from this situation. This got very awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to make a mental note of the fact that, like, of everything that happened in this score, like, meeting your sister's girlfriend was the worst thing that happened to you. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. I, I am already planning to use my downtime action to mitigate this and do some damage <laughs> control. Very good. And I think like that is, in fact, a good place to cut the score because I think you make your exit. Uh, the contract will make its way into uh, wherever it needs to go in due time. The part of me that's like, maybe you run into your dad, but yeah, aside from that. Yeah. Aside from the hubbub at the end, I think this actually went really well. We changed the contract to say what we wanted. We now have Bashundara depending mm-hmm. on us. So she's, she's on the committee, but she's also not mm-hmm. a problem. We made some money. Yeah. We didn't even have to pay the tab at the restaurant. 
<laughs> oh my god, it's so funny because I think you're right that like you leave, and that's like a waiter who's like, wait a second. No, Miras took care of it. He actually stole yeah, some of, of Elizabeth's money yeah, and paid sorry, for her. Yeah, very good. So, um, excellent. Okay, so in that case, uh, yeah. And so blows out our brief candle. I named the disciples of the ceaseless temple thus, with both their false names and true. Saumitri called Tree as the GM. Zoheb called Cloud as Miraz, Prince as Vickers, Emma as Joan, Adiath called Soap as Abbas. Blades in the Dark and the original inspiration for Udo Asha by John Harper and Evil Hat Productions. Iruvian Playbooks by John Stone Metzger. Jalandahar Intro Music by Kevin McLeod. Outro Music in Kiravani Ragam by Yusrinivas. Follow us at Desperate Attune on Twitter or email us at desperateattune at gmail.com. Support us at ko slash desperate attune. <laughs>